and ego i think certainly ego was something that i had to put aside <laughs> it was like i'm making a mistake and just you know forgetting it's like it'll come right it'll be fine just um yeah just don't touch it just let it go and um know that it wasn't holding me back you're listening to property investor tales stories from the front yard here's your host tabitha bright Welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name's Tabitha Bright, and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. With over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier and will inspire you along the way. So my guest today is one of our own, one of our coaching team, Louise Carr, and we discuss how she bought three properties by the time she was 26 years old, how her security blanket was pulled away when her parents had to declare bankruptcy and they lost the farm, and how that that thing changed her goals to create very different options for herself and her wife. So enjoy this conversation with Lou. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. Uh, with me today is the fabulous Louise Carr. Welcome Louise, welcome to the Thank podcast. You. Thanks for having me on. And Lou has been part of our coaching team for over eight years, eight and a half years. Um, so very, very experienced. And we were just having a bit of a chin wag um, before we started recording and <laughs> lots and lots of stories. Uh, and uh, we worked out that Lou's actually been in property for over 28 years, which is phenomenal. So that's a, you know, wealth of experience there. I've seen lots of things in my time. <laughs> you've done, you've been in property management, you've been in real estate, you've yeah. been, you've done sort of pretty much um, everything there is to do pretty much in property. Yeah. Um, and, um, and some people don't realise with property management what is involved and what you guys are actually exposed to and see and and we were having a bit of a chat and in the interest of being relatively PG today in case there's (laughs) kids listening or something you you can imagine walking in on people and when they know that there's inspections and all sorts of stories there Lou yes yeah absolutely certainly from an innocent country girl I got a summer job in a real estate office when I was 17 and <laughs> and um took a gap year and it was very very surprising you know from thinking from walking into drug labs to meth labs to you know all sorts of things um being left over the coffee table and then yeah some more um triple x rated type of things um <laughs> left around and <laughs> likely some exhibitionists as well so yeah wow. certainly over Opened my eyes um, a lot, and yeah, I learned to knock very well. So you're knocking your loud. <laughs> but it's quite interesting getting property managers together and sharing stories. I think there needs to be a, a book written for sure about oh, some wow. of the, the stories we've seen. Mm. Well, that's definitely um, something on the list: the expose of the property. Of the that's property right. Manager. <laughs> yeah. And so there were a couple of. Um, I guess, fundamental things that have happened in your life that have been Mm. quite formative in why you chose property as a vehicle. Um, Take me through 
I'm going to preset the scene a little bit. Um, when I was talking to Shay, um, if you guys have been following the podcast, um, Shay Witten, who's one of the owners of Positive Real Estate, we were talking about with Shay about how property affords choices. Um, if you get your property investing right, it's not even about being wealthy or having the big cars or the, and nothing wrong with that. But if, if that's not your focus, often we find as coaches that people will have stuff that's more fundamental to who they are and experiences that they've had along the way. And for Shay, it was all about looking after parents, looking after family, um, aging parents, parents that may not have had necessarily the capacity to look after themselves. GFC had wiped them out. And so tell me a little bit about what's been behind your property journey, Lou, because there's been a couple of yeah. things there that were quite important. Yes, absolutely. So I was in property management and when I was in my early 20s, unfortunately, after years and years of drought, um, I'm a farmer's daughter, so dad's got four kids. Um, and after years of drought and some lack of business opportunities, mum and dad ended up losing the farm. Um, so the bank repossessed everything. Um, so all of the machinery, everything's gone. The only thing, literally the only thing they could keep was was personal belongings and their, wow. and their vehicles. Um, so mum and dad, so we're certainly battling that um, for, for a very long time, um, many, many years. And so when that was very formulative where they were very proud that they paid off they didn't owe any money in the community. That was really, really important to them. It was just the, the big banks that they just couldn't um, keep up the repayments. And my parents, you know, they're coming from in the 80s, you know, the high interest rates and things like that was um, yeah. was certainly part of it. But I watched my parents work so hard, anyone that's business owner, self-employed themselves, seven days a week, Christmas Day, Easter, it doesn't matter. Um, and so this multi-million dollar farm um, that we had and gener um, generational was, um, was certainly um, repossessed. So when my parents were when going through that, a lot of my friends were travelling and backpacking over Europe, um, which was my, which was always my plan in my early twenties. I was just saving to get some more money behind me and going to join and, and go backpacking for at least a few years, hopefully longer. Um, but when that happened to my parents, I that shifted my direction um, completely, and I knew that I had to because my safety net had been completely um, pulled aside. But I knew that I had to um, set forward something for myself moving forward but also um, help my parents as well. So I ended up, I was in real estate at the time and I was looking, I spoke to a lot of um, real estate agents, but only I was with Toop and Toop Real Estate, which is a fairly prestigious company in South Australia. And unfortunately, there was only one agent that had um, property investments himself. So I spoke to him and spoke to my landlords and did everything wrong. <laughs> so saved up. I remember I was only earning <laughs> um, 35, 35 grand a year at the time. And I think I saved up $20,000 in 12 months or something like that so wow. amazing I know it was amazing what you could do you can get the cigarettes <laughs> at the time <laughs> the cities <laughs> um but yeah lived really frugally and um but then I saved up my deposit and listened to the wrong people um, I was on my thing was I bought by Nordura um in Victoria so certainly get have good cash flow looking properly looking after itself and then I'd go 
meet up with my friends a couple of and come back and have lots of equity a couple of years later um, unfortunately that didn't work <laughs> so I knew but I knew that beforehand so within before I left I actually used the rest of my savings um, and some um, there and I ended up saving more deposits so I ended up buying two properties within 12 months and the second time, <clears throat> I did things a much different way, and um, ended up making you know a hundred grand equity um, within twelve months um, of that property. Actually, about eight months. So, yeah. Which, what did you do differently? What didn't yeah. work about Mildura, and mm. what? How did you know it wasn't working so quickly? Yeah. And then what? What changed, and what did you do differently? Yep, perfect. So what I did in Mildura was I listened to um, Sunrise, so media reports, mainstream media, and they said that there was a um, best time to buy in markets and all the media reports at the time in the mainstream media were, was that Mildura was a hot spot. So when I bought that, um, I didn't. what I didn't know at the time is even though I bought regional, um, I'd also bought right at the peak of the market. So after I bought it and I only paid 180 I was getting two. 40 a week rent but the um, unfortunately the value of the property went down um, over the next six months so I could see that trending down there was more sales um, and that's when I dug deeper a little bit got advice from the right people and realized that I wasn't going to get that capital growth um, in that time yeah. I needed yeah so then I then what I did is I bought within um, a nice suburb called Carolsh Park in South Australia, for those that don't know it, it's within, it's near Ashford, it's four kilometres from the CBD, um, and it was an old home. I remember it was so stinky, like the real estate agent was standing out the front <laughs> of the property <laughs> getting out brochures. He didn't want to go inside. It was it was um, really, really run down. So I was like, um, which is excellent because I literally offered um, in, um, asking price, so 250 I didn't offer. 251 because literally it took everything that I had I was like I hope my car doesn't break down I was like certainly you know took all of that and then um I but I did renovation so I certainly I added a, um lots of tradie friends um who certainly put on barbecues and learned to you know pulled up rolled up my sleeves I did major cosmetic renovations nothing you know no major structural ones um but I built it and closed the carport did all the um you know new kitchen and um, renovating painting and things like that so added and the market um was was climbing so it was very soon after um it was right. it went up in that time so hmm. yeah so renovating in a rising market is always a yeah. great strategy yes. um that's awesome yeah. um yeah. often when we see people renovate I hear your dogs <laughs> You probably yeah. hear my lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Those days, we'll just roll with it. So, um, <laughs> if you can hear me, that's all good. So, I know that I've seen people that like the idea of renovating, and and one of the traps with renovating, it's a bit like development. If if you don't manage to jag the market then you can find yourself in a declining market pumping money into something and then not getting the return. And, um, and it sounds like you did a great job because you've, um, you've bought well and you've, um, you've probably bought the worst house in the best street, classic, yeah, classic um, <laughs> investing rule, uh, and you've actually got in and, and done it yourself, rolled up your sleeves and pulled a few flavours from, 
from friends, a few Barbies, like you said. I'm curious, what made it stink? Um, it was a lot of just grime and build-up, so it was a lot of oil. Um, there was an old lady that lived there for years and years and years, and I think she went blind that there was just, yeah, dirt and grime um, and, yeah, and oil. And it was, um, yeah, and the carpets were just disgusting. But what I did know, I li- when I was at the auction, I uh, not the auction, at the open, I lifted up a corner of the carpet and I knew that there was beautiful floorboards underneath. So, where yeah, it was good. <laughs> And being a property manager, I wasn't scared off by, by something that wasn't styled nicely. I was just like, yes, I, gotta, I can afford to buy we this suburb. Well. <laughs> we did the same with this place here. The little old lady that had it had had it um, for 40 years. It hadn't been sold. Wow. And um, she hadn't gone blind, but she was definitely not not coping with upkeep. And nothing had been renovated, I reckon, since the 1960s. And the walls were pink and green. It had those plastic concertina doors, you know, those ones that you yeah. pulled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we had carpet in the kitchen. So all around the oven where you stood, oh, no. it was like, you know, like a nightclub from the 80s. You walked in and it was like all this all the oil would suck at your shoes. First thing we did was rip that up. It was just, it was repulsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I didn't have that. I did rent the property once where it had actually carpet going up the walls in the kitchen <laughs> on stage. <laughs> that was fashion. Wonder, right? <laughs> That's been yeah. probably in now. <laughs> uh, so, so, then, so how old were you at that stage? You were 24? I settled the first one um, just for my 25th birthday. Um, so by the two properties at 25, um, at that stage I was very keen to just like rinse and repeat the reduction yeah. strategy. And I was um, I was so fortunate that I was only paying $40 a week rent. Um, so that's why I managed to save. I was one of my friend's um, parents owned the property, so I was living, um, just sharing, you know, renting a room from them in a premium for forty dollars a week, so and then my partner moved in. We paid sixty dollars a week together. <laughs> I was like, man, I wish I could go back to those days. Oh, <laughs> but that really, God. yeah, really got me. Um, yeah, helped me get get forward and forge forward. So I had a number of investments before I bought our own home. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And so, and then you had three by twenty six is what I've got here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though Mildura wasn't working for you, you didn't sell it, right? You no. Yeah. Yes, I held it. Yeah. And I've still got it today. Um, the reason I held on to it, yeah, <laughs> was, was that um, it has development opportunities. So door is a group of three units. And so I can one day when the numbers work and going back to numbers, I, you know, I see so many people renovate and just think they're going to make money um, or develop and just think that, yeah, without doing their due diligence and feasibility. Um. The market in Mildura just hasn't been right in order to do that, but that'll be a side project where we'll um, I'll put two or three on there and and then subdivide and sell it off. 
Mm. That looks yeah. after itself. So apart from you know, pinching myself that I did make the wrong decision, it was yeah, it hasn't held me back. So I've kept that in my portfolio. Mm. Yeah, and that's key, right? For a strategy, like whenever we're looking at a client's portfolio, it's one of the first things we'll do is we'll say, right, this is what you're you've come into the mentoring and coaching program. These are the properties you have. Let's have a look at them. Let's have a look at are they going to get you to your goals and are they holding you back? Because generally, it, generally speaking, it's not the best decision to sell um, because you've got all your in-out costs. You, you, know, you don't want to sell for a loss. If the property was holding you back, I'm just going to reiterate this for um, you know, people that might be new to some of the concepts of investing. So if the property was holding you back because it was negative cash flow or um, you, know, you couldn't buy another property because you had this loan, then you might consider copping a small loss in order to move forward and replace it with a quality property. But as you said, there was no need to do that because it was cash flow positive, looking after itself. It wasn't stopping you from doing other stuff. So why why would you move it? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And I know um, sometimes with regional stuff, um, I <laughs> the bit, it's funny the properties that you hate the most usually have the best stories so anyone that knows me is probably sick to death of my Batemans Bay stories but I bought um, two townhouses in Batemans Bay that I hated for years but much like your Mildura one they weren't stopping me moving forward they were cash flow positive so even though the value went pretty much sideways and down a bit for a big chunk of the time I held them um, there was no point in selling them just because I'm bored with them, just because I hate dealing with the annoyance of the tenants from time to time, didn't warrant selling it and actually realizing a loss. There was It was better to be bored and annoyed with them and hold them until they did do something. And it took 12, 13 years before they actually did something, but then they did something enough that it warranted um, uh, turning them over and then putting that money into something that was more blue chip. Um, and so just be really cautious about having these emotional kind of reactions to selling just because you don't like something or it's boring or it's not doing anything right now. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. And ego, I think certainly ego was something that I had to put aside. <laughs> it was like I'm making a mistake and just, you know, forgetting. It's like it'll come right, it'll be fine. Just, um, yeah, just don't touch it, just let it go and um, yeah. know that it wasn't holding me back. So yeah. be fine. Mm. And it's finally done something now, which is great. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. So you bought it for how much? My dog is going crazy, so it's Luna Girl. Oh, <laughs> um, I bought it for one eighty, and it's yeah. worth over four hundred now. So. Oh, perfect! So it's more than doubled yeah. in that time. Yeah, yeah. It did nothing for probably twelve years, I think. <laughs> afterwards, or well, nothing, not much. It came down a little bit, um, corrected, um, and yeah. then sort of trickled over, hovered around low twos for a long time, but then. Like you'd know when the market was so quickly um, to meet degrees and it continues to grow from there, which is great. I think Majura is at the top of its market now. <laughs> so I have sort of looked at it and gone, should we sell? Should we keep? Like, should I go through that next cycle? Um, yep. But because of the development, yeah, but because of the reasons, we've decided to keep it um, in our portfolio and rents are increasing. So, yeah. 
yes. Okay. Well, mm. yeah. Perfect. hopefully my dad will become a better, better story once I develop. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you how many hundreds of thousands I make. <laughs> and then, um, um, then for for property, because obviously there was the whole motivation behind um, your parents' journey and witnessing and being involved in that and and the uncertainty that I'm sure like you said you your rug had been ripped out from under you like your safety net um and so you chose property as a vehicle to create some certainty and some and to have some wealth and some choices in the future it's also given you the opportunity for some other choices hasn't it around family and so forth that um you, you know you were happy to share yeah. yeah absolutely I think some certain um everyone invests in property for different reasons um for me it was never about the flash um Maserati and the big ticket <laughs> items <laughs> even though I do like nice things <laughs> but you know one Louis Vuitton bag's fine for me <laughs> I, do, I do like those things anyone that's met me <laughs> but, you know I don't need 10 Louis Vuitton bags one's fine <laughs> kind of thing um but I do it's for me it's more it's more core and to have choices as well so certainly to look after my parents but then when I um met my met my partner we um certainly had some some challenges and in regards to having children and so we had to have IVF and we went through the IVF journey and even though it was so at the time with my parents and let alone the pride and everything else that goes along with that, I know that if I yeah didn't um, have that, so we spent eighty thousand dollars on IVF um, for to have our two beautiful children. Um, my daughter was most expensive, <laughs> so everyone's like, oh, a free girl. But really, like if I didn't, um, if without, and I didn't know that um, we we're going to have so many complications, like you know, one does, I just expect it'll be fine. Um, and without, if I didn't have those properties um didn't I actually sold the only one I've ever sold was sold um to pay for IVF um and to get to have that large family you know that um family home that we could so yeah very very grateful um that so for me it's more about what the property can do the choices and freedom um my kids are older now but certainly they know um my my son is completely obsessed with money and finance he always like we take them around to when we're looking at the properties they come to us um that we go travel every few years and at least visit them um australia-wide which they get bored about um but you know they like visiting the locations but they're like oh another house <laughs> um it's been really good because he's less about flashy cars and motorbikes now and he knows you know buy a house and renting out so he's got a plan already just at 13 and he's got savings for his um, deposit um for yeah yep to um and to buy an investment property so he's very very clear at what he he still wants his parents help he's like I know your parents couldn't help your mummy, but you'll be help me. <laughs> but he knows all about you know positive cash, all the terminology as yes. well. Yeah. yeah, my daughter's not as interested. She's more about um, unicorns and rainbows still. But you know, she did, <laughs> she did tell him to stop wasting his money and spend it on houses instead. So it's sinking in. <laughs> She's a little bit younger as well. She's younger. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so certainly the lessons that you pass on to your kids is, is something that I want to certainly that generational wealth is where um, Mel and I are really focused on now uh, and in, you know, um, setting up for our children as well. Mm. Mm. Good on you and it sounds like it's certainly um, trickled down through through the next generation. Um, it's funny, I often get clients say to me as part of their goals that they'd like to buy their kids a house and um I don't know your thoughts on this but I actually have quite strong thoughts on it um I don't want to polarize anybody out there and this is purely just my opinion for the record um but I do believe that it's really important for your children to have um a, a, some skin in the game um and I always said to my daughter you know no issue supporting and helping you with um uh, uni with um with a house with a car all of that stuff um but you need to contribute as well and I always said to Amber if you save a thousand I'll match you a thousand and uh, so we did it that way in the end she went and did the car the travel uni and the house without me she decided she wanted to do it all on her own um, which part of me was like the ego thing, Lou. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 want, you. <laughs> yeah, I want to be able to say, I've, I've done this for you, darling. But um, she was absolutely bloody minded about it and was like, no, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing it on my own. Um, but I do think it's good because I think when it's too easily received, I think it's dangerous people don't value it. I'm not sure where you sit on that. Yeah, but. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I look um, often, you know, unfortunately I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, <laughs> but um, a lot of my, you know, I've seen my friends that have been and yeah. they are, you know, I've got a very strong work ethic, as you know, Tab, um, and just work really, really hard, but I also work smart. Um, I, you know, try, I try to work smart. And my friends that have been given everything just don't make the same choices. Um, you know, they'll, and, yeah, yeah. So I've really learnt from them. Um, sorry, hi, friends. I love you all. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's going to be watching this. <laughs> um, some of them have made very good choices. I've gone to yeah. qualify, but a lot of it's, people that I went to school with, you know, it's certainly not, they're still in this very similar position as what they were. Um, so it's Mel and I speak about this a lot. It's like we want to give our kids the world um, but we don't, and show them everything, but we don't want them to be spoiled and ungrateful as well. Um, so it's always finding this balance and um, as well. And, yeah, so, yeah, and I totally agree. My son wants to get into racing motorbikes, so he's been working um, on Grandpa's orchard and, you know, um, working very hard work, which he hated, but <laughs> earning his minimum wage and <laughs> was over summer and that type of thing. So, yeah, certainly having that work ethic and skin in the game is really, really important to learn the value of, of money. Yeah, and I said that if he goes to uni, um, if he's working, he has to pay. If he's going to uni, we'll support him. Um, but they'll, you know, they can live in a house um, they, that we have in Adelaide or, or wherever and um, don't have to pay rent as long as he's working and studying for himself, you know, help him support him that way. But um, he can certainly be saving, saving for his deposit already, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so, 
actually just trying to that that, that goes, but you'll teach me, Mum. His main thing is you'll teach me, won't you? You'll be there to help me and show what to do. Like, Absolutely. It's like he said that last week. It's like, okay, I'm getting through. <laughs> That's awesome. And um and so I guess uh just before we wrap up, is there anything in particular that I've missed that you feel is important to share before I ask you my final question for the the um not really I well the main thing I've I was considering about my main lessons and certainly and certainly lessons you want to pass on to your kids but you asked me before on who I talk about like do I discuss with with friends and family and I don't um my mum mainly because mum worries like whenever there was interest rate raised she was it's not her genre she doesn't understand the zone so I've learned to be very selective at who I talk to Pete um, talk to this about um, you know I love my friends because we have you know, we like the beach or we have different you know similar values but I don't discuss finance um, with them but I do with like that's why I like positive real estate and that network and having um, like-minded people to get advice from um, from the right people I think it's certainly been teaching and coaching people for over 15 years now the mistakes I've seen everyone make is trusting the wrong advisors trusting um, in regards to the, a broker because they're a friend of a friend, not being set up correctly um, and by or listening by mainstream media. So even though I learned the hard way, <laughs> um, you know, my advice would be to really be selective at who you take advice from um, and only learn from people that have been doing this successfully themselves in the last you know, 10, 15 years, um, last recently as well. It's, yeah, because yeah, you and I were chatting and we were talking about um, – and this isn't to malign the real estate industry in any way, shape or form. There's many fantastic real estate agents out there, but like any industry, there's people that are new to it. There are people that, you know, understand some of the basics of um, of sales for sure, um, but maybe don't understand a lot of investment principles um, or they are looking at just a very small section of the market, not um, the real estate market as a whole in Australia, which is very diverse. So, Often people will take advice from um, real estate agents or from people that may not have a lot of investing experience. Um, and so it's, it's definitely um, a dangerous space if, if you're not talking to people like Lou said that have done it and done it successfully. Because for somebody like Lou, for myself, for many of the coaches, we've done it with the School of Hard Knocks we've made the mistakes, we've learned by trial and error. Um, and when you learn by trial and error, it slows you down. And so the intent with a lot of the coaching is that we eliminate the, the bigger mistakes that are still normal mistakes, but they, they set you back 10 years, right? And they're uncomfortable and they're tedious. So if you can eliminate the learning by trial and error, there's always going to be challenges with real estate. There's always going to be normal problems, tenants that are pains in the butt, have interest rates going up, you know, I mean, normal stuff. But, and, and you can't eliminate that, but we can eliminate the, the bigger mistakes that get in the way of you getting a long-term result. And I think that's what's so important um, yeah, absolutely. about coaching. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm. And so my final question, and um, um, so if you could go back in time, 
classic podcast question. You could go back in time and see young Lou, 17-year-old Lou, 18-year-old Lou. <laughs> what advice would Lou of today have for young Lou? Um, professionally or personally? <laughs> <laughs> Get us. <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. Um, I at that time at seventeen, I was free, and um, yeah, I think one thing I was struggling most with, to be honest, was um my sexuality and not being and thinking that I wouldn't be able to have children. Um. So that was a really big thing for me. Um, so I, you know, denied that and pushed that down for many years. So I think I'd certainly say personally be free to yourself and everything will work out because I'm talking from Catholic country family as well nice. <laughs> with my dad. Um, but, that, you know, he's been my number one absolute supporter, oh, um, which is, yeah, which is really sweet. Um, but I'd certainly say I um, to list uh, was my um, ex's mum actually gave me a book and I didn't read it when I was 19. I wasn't ready to hear the message. I actually read it when I was 23, um, four years later, and that book just totally um, changed my life in regards to the way money worked um, and, and certainly how to get ahead and investment um, and to think outside the square as well. So it certainly be and she was very successful with property investments um so it would certainly be you know to um trust the self um but also find like-minded people around me um that could have you know guided me guide me through and um so I didn't have to learn from the school of hard knocks myself <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying Bill and I were like I wish we had to go to the accountant here and a broker here and we it took a lot of time to have my knowledge and I was in the the industry so to speak I remember thinking, I wish there was someone, a one-stop shop, that someone was around to do everything. And um, unfortunately, yeah, that, and that's positive real estate. So that's why I joined PRE. I didn't discover um, PRE for about five years after that um, until reading into back in the olden days of your investment property magazine and Smart Property Investor and things like that. That's how I knew about PRE. I was like, who's this Sam? And I was like, oh, wow, he's pretty clever. And that's why. I joined, wanted to join Positive Real Estate as well and I'm very um, emotional now about um, education. Um, so yeah. certainly one of the big things I had to quit um, so I took, you know, um, I had to quit studying law because I just couldn't afford. I needed to work, um, and that's why I started in property in real estate. But so, you know, one of my passion projects is to actually have, um, it, like, educate girls from the country, um, and then have a non-for-profit um, for that education side as well. So I think, yeah, certainly don't limit beliefs. And as you know, Tab, there's a school PRE donated a school of Louise Carr, um, which is in Sri Lanka. So educating you know hundreds of get hundreds of people which is um certainly you know very much on my mission so sometimes I feel still feel like a little country girl it's like wow look at you know I couldn't have believed that we could achieve um what we have um and you know it's not material it's just certainly the act of giving back and the purpose and um is is pretty powerful mm, oh, as well all your answers um, I know there's <laughs> I know there's a heap of gems in there in there for everyone and for being so frank and true um you know it's it's really really appreciated I know people get a lot out of this podcast so yeah. 
Good. Thanks for finally cornering me, Tab, and I've been dodging it for a while. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's property investor tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing, and bye for now.